Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. How nice was that? Grab a seat, guys. How good is that? Just to acknowledge God's goodness. It's, it's almost like we were made to just give God glory, and I, I, know, I know that we are. Uh, if you're new here for the first time, I'm Sam, one of the pastors and um, one of the team, and would love to get to know you as well. And big, big warm welcome to uh, everyone who's online as well, so who are viewing from online. Uh, we are continuing our series on kingdom, and the kingdom of God is such a, such a big topic. Um, Jesus spent three years explaining the kingdom of God to his disciples, and most of them didn't get it by the end. So it's, it's a big concept, um, and we're not going to try and fit it all in into one sermon. So that's why we're taking this year to actually unpack the kingdom of God, because it's such a big, rich, uh, full, complex topic that is really relevant to our lives. It's not just a theoretical, but it has a really interesting, a really impactful um, message of meaning for it. So trust you would journey along with us as we unpack um, God's amazing kingdom. So there was a guy, there was a, there was a funeral, and a man went up to the widow, who her husband had just passed away, and he, he, cleared his, uh, he went up to her and said, hey, do you mind if I share a word? And uh, she said, look, that would be nice. And so he, um, he cleared his throat and uh, said, plethora. And the lady says, thanks, that, that means a lot. Another man comes up and says, mind if I say a word? And she's like, yeah, sure, that would be nice. And he clears his throat too and says, bargain. She turns around and says, that means a great deal. A third man came up and said, mind if I say a word? And she's like, yeah, that, that would be nice. And he says, earth. And she turned around and said, thank you, that's so touching. That, that means the world. Oh, oh, come on. I might have to resort to my dad jokes. Uh, um, but funerals, and we're talking about funerals a little bit because um, they are an interesting uh, place because inside the kingdom of God, we've got, you know, we, 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 hear, we hear about heaven and uh, we, we're actually confronted with the reality of the kingdom of God at funerals. And we, our theology about God's kingdom, we see that at funerals. And you hear people give different ideas about how they view heaven and how they view God's kingdom. And it's always seen as a, as a better place. Uh, they've gone, they're having beers with Bob and up there. And they have that, it's this kind of the place up there that's distant. And we see a separation from earth. So kingdom of God is seen as very, very separate as a different, distant place. They've gone to a better place. And often we can yearn for that. I'm, I'm yearning to be with God and his kingdom. Um, I'm looking forward to a new body that has hair. Um, there's a lot of things that I'm sort of looking forward to in life. And it's, it's going to be great. Heaven's going to be wonderful. But uh, what, what, where is heaven? And my, my kids were asking the other week, it's like, well, what, where, does, where does heaven come from? Where does, where does it look like, uh, God's kingdom? Um, I remember when Katie had her heart surgery last year, um, one of the kids, I can't remember who it was, asked, oh, did you see God in there? I'm like, what? Oh, when they opened up her heart, did they see God? I'm like, oh, okay, because making sense now, we've been saying, oh, the kingdom of God is in your heart. It's like, well, 
Yeah, but that's not kind of the heart we're talking about. So there's a lot of confusion about where God's kingdom is. And so we're going to try to unpack that today, the kingdom restored. So um, I want to define heaven today, probably a little bit differently to maybe you've heard before. I want to define heaven as where God dwells, where he reigns. And I think that gives a lot of clarity when you define it. What are we talking about? Heaven is a place where God reigns and he dwells. And uh, back in the beginning, there was a giant overlap. It wasn't as separate as we think. In the Garden of Eden, God dwelt. He reigned with and through man, but he was walking with God. So in a sense... Heaven, or form of heaven, was there at the beginning with mankind. I think that's important to take that on board, that God dwelt and reigned with man on earth together in a beautiful space. And last week we talked about God's kingdom, how it was lost. Man rebelled, man walked out. It wasn't God. God didn't walk out on us. We walked out on his kingdom. And Adam, on behalf of mankind, thank you, Adam, uh, he led mankind into the lion's den, into the space that is controlled, this dominion that is not, not part of God's dominion. So he led humanity there, where the powers and authorities uh, were at play seeking to kill and destroy humanity. And the the reason why uh, the devil, Satan, is so keen on crushing humanity and destroying humanity is we represent the image of God. We reflect him. We we, we bring something of who God is. And uh, that is one thing that Satan can't handle, and he hates it. And so he's he's in, in for it for you and me because we reflect we're image bearers of God. And so he doesn't like that at all. But as, we, as humanity walked away from God's kingdom, we walked away from a whole heap of things. The source of life, we walked away from God's authority, his dominion, and uh, his, 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 his purpose that he gave us. And uh, when, when man walked out of God's kingdom, we, we, we walked with Adam on behalf of us, he led us away from God, and there's a separation there, and uh, it was a, was a hard place for us to be. As, as Adam led humanity out of God's kingdom, God gave a prophecy to Satan. He spoke to Satan, and he gave his prophetic word, and uh, he, he said, um, in verse, if you've got your Bibles, Genesis 3:14. so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, and then down in verse 15, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now that word offspring is actually singular. It means one person. um, And another word is the seed. So a descendant of yours, a male descendant of yours, is one day going to crush your head. You will strike his heel. You will think you've had victory over him but he will crush your head. And uh, this, is, this is a person in time that is pr- prophesied. So right at the very beginning, God is enacting a plan to save and redeem humanity. A singular person, we're going to call it Adam 2.0. The first Adam led people, humanity, away from God. Adam 2.0 is going to lead humanity back into God's kingdom, back into relationship with him. And if you haven't picked it, Adam 2.0 we're talking about is Jesus. Points for you if you got that right. 
Um, now, if you've got your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21 to 22 says, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And this, and this brings us to a place of Jesus is, is the, it's a theory of, of Jesus is the new Adam, but what does that actually mean for us today? And I want to I pick four realities that I think come out of this reality, that Jesus is the, leading us back into relationships for him. And so God's kingdom has four realities, the kingdom restored, that I see. There are more, but we're going to unpack these today. The first one is restored Authority. God's kingdom is restored, and with that restoration is his authority has been restored. In Christ, we walk in his authority, and that has been restored. The authority we had in Eden is being restored to us. So Matthew 28, 18, the Great Commission, hopefully you might have heard this before. Then Jesus came to his disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In in a way, we become the ambassadors of God. He has commissioned us. Jesus has been given all authority on heaven and earth. All authority. And that's very interesting because we start asking lots of questions then. Lots of questions, but we become God's ambassadors with his authority. Now, I'm from a little island called New Zealand, and um, if I was to be the ambassador of New Zealand, it wouldn't really be an awe-inspiring thing. You know, like I wouldn't walk, go around the world on the circuit and um, nations wouldn't be just like begging to know me, you know. Like, I, I'm a Kiwi, I'm allowed to pick on New Zealand here, okay. So, but it's not an awe-inspiring position to be ambassador of New Zealand, it's a cool spot, you know, like if, if I do get asked to do that, I probably would. But um, I wouldn't turn it down. But it's, it's not something that's awe-inspiring. And, but when we have a, a, take a step back and realise that we're called to be ambassadors of God, God Almighty who breathes the stars into, into place, I think it changes our perspective on ourselves. It changes our perspective in, uh, in, in our walk, in our purpose. And we walk with a confidence We walk in a confidence knowing that your king has all authority. Jesus has all authority on heaven and earth. And when you are called and when you are in his family, you have his authority in your life. Now, that's not saying that you just point to things and things happen. It's it's his authority in your life to do his purpose and his will. It's not your will with his authority. And we need to make that clear because sometimes we can name it, claim it, all the things. And that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, it's my authority for my purposes, my will. I want you to be a part of that. But so often, and in my own life too, we've lost confidence We've lost the confidence in our prayer life. We, we pray and things don't get answered and we're like, there's your confidence. It sort of dwindles down your confidence. I, I wonder if that's you today. I wonder if your confidence in the king is based on a circumstance, a series of circumstances or expectations on God not performing to your needs, your desires in the way you want. And, and so our confidence dwindles based on our expectations of God. 
But in it, when we come to realize that, that God, we, we, our confidence isn't a sense of arrogance, it's not based on us, it's based on Jesus and what he's done. He has all authority. We need to keep coming back to that, to his authority. You know, confidence is in the final outcome. Arrogance is this idea that we're in control. Confidence is knowing that God's in control and I'm going to walk in his authority. And that's a really big concept. It's a really, it's a really complex uh, concept and we're trying to unpack it a little bit as we go. Now, New Zealand's army is n- not... It's a good army. Um, one of my best mates in the army in New Zealand and it's a, it's a great army. But their air force is really small. My granddad was actually a pilot in the New Zealand air force and um, he, yeah, it's a great, that's when they had an air force. So they got rid of the air force. Um, they, I think they, they suppressed the revolt of the sheep as they tried to t- take over the, the, the nation. So they're like, we, we, we've conquered the sheep, we, can, we don't need an air force anymore. Um, so they just have support planes. But it, it's, it's a, not an awe-inspiring army. And uh, sometimes, you know, if, if New Zealand... They, they can't really push their weight around and the world sing. You know, like China's pushing their weight around. New Zealand doesn't because they don't have any weight to push. And um, so it's an interesting concept. But um, Elisha in the Bible had this, had this encounter where him and his servant were surrounded. They had, had done these amazing things on behalf of God. And then they were surrounded by this, this massive army. And Elisha had this confidence but his servant didn't. And uh, we picked that up in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. And it says, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Christian, today greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You have an angel army around you that gives you confidence to pray with confidence. To walk with confidence. We don't need to have our tails between our legs as we walk around this world. We don't need to be submissive to the values of this world. We don't need to, 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 to walk in fear. And, and so often we see as a church a, a defeated church that, that lacked that inside of revelation that God, Jesus has already overcome. He's overcome and he's given, he wants us to walk with an air of authority That's not arrogance, because arrogance is that we control the outcome, but an authority that is in Christ, because of Christ, through Christ, that we have. And uh, that that changes our disposition. It changes how we operate. We are not called to cower in the corner and to put up with this world. We're called to conquer, more than conquerors, through Christ, Romans 8. And the second reality I want to bring us to is that Satan's dominion has been crushed. Colossians 2.15 And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Authority which had been lost at the garden has been restored. The right to govern, the right to subdue the earth has been restored to those in Christ. 
And, that, and we, we spoke about that last week. It's not a, an authority to rule over humanity. It's, a, it's an authority to rule with humanity over the world, to subdue the earth, to, care, to be caretakers of the world and the earth. That is our calling in hum, as humans, that we are called to continue to rule and bring and be a part of building God's kingdom to this world. And it has a, as a physical aspect as well. I believe that as, as, a Christian, as Christians, we are called to actually be a part of looking after the world. And we haven't really done a particularly good job of that so far. See, Satan's kingdom is defeated. And there's a question that I'm hoping you're asking. I'm hoping you're asking, if Satan's kingdom is defeated, why is there still evil? Has anyone asked that yet? Good, because I did as well. Um, It's it's a great question, and it's really good to ask these great questions because it's really important uh, that we, if something is true, we should be able to ask any question of it. Now, this, this, this reality that we, we, we see that Satan's kingdom has been defeated at the cross, the Bible tells us it's been defeated at the cross, but we still see a remnant there. And I'm, I'm going to try and explain that. Um, I, when I was up at YWAM in Townsville in 2002, that was a while ago, um, 18, 20, 19 years ago, um, back when I had here, um, we, I was walking um, after one of the worship services we had. It was really cool. Just, we had this amazing encounter with God. And I remember walking home, and I know I've shared this story a few times before, but I remember walking down and almost instantaneously all the dogs in the street just started barking at me. And it wasn't just like a yap, 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 there's someone at the door. It's a, it's a yap, yap, like I'm going to rip your throat out kind of bark. And I don't know if you've seen a dog go absolutely mental, but these dogs, all of them had this, this blood-curling bark that they were just trying to get at me. And they're all behind fences going nuts. And you know how you've got the hair on the back of your head goes up? I don't have a lot of hair there, but um, it does go up. Um, that sense, that tingling, that something is not right, that there is, it's not just a physical thing, that there's a spiritual reality at work, that there's a spiritual war component of what is going on. And uh, it, it, it stuck with me, that idea. And as I was walking home, uh, back, to, back, back to our house, um, I, I was overcome by fear. And uh, what I want to highlight today is that God, uh, Satan's kingdom, the head is crushed off, but there's still an element of fear. What Satan can do is still bring fear. Okay, I'm going to explain it like this. I'm a visual person, okay? So hypothetically, if you've seen a snake lose its head accidentally, um, don't cut heads off snakes. It's not legal. But if you've happened to seen it happen, um, they still wriggle. You know, a snake still wriggles around, and it's like this is a reflex action. The best way I can picture this myself is that Satan's kingdom at the cross, Satan lost his head. Okay, and what I mean is, is that the, the poison, the, the power was defeated at the cross. He has no more power over you in Christ. In Christ, you are protected, you are a new creation. But you can still be affected by the fear of seeing a snake wiggle. Um, I had a blue tongue lizard as I was cleaning the pool yesterday, and I could only see the back half of it. I'm like, ah! Um, 
oh, it's just a blue-tongued lizard. It's harmless, but there's still that reaction of fear. If, if you're a snake expert, you could identify a snake quite quickly. I, I've, I've got a friend who will like, just look at a snake and go, oh, I know what that is, and go pick it up. Um, I'm there like, oh, I don't know what it is. Should I touch it? Oh, there's this fear component. As soon as you know it's not poisonous, you're like, cool, let's go pat it. Let's go pet it. Um, I want to make it mine. Um, it's, it's this different reality, but when you, there's this is fear component that can overcome our lives, and as Christians, we can live and operate in the fear. It's one of the weapons that the devil still has in, at play is the fear, and it's this fear that can cripple us in Christ, and it's this, this shame that he can throw at us. See, even though he's lost his, his authority, he's lost his head, he's lost his poison to, to control you, he can manipulate your reality so that you are crippled by fear and shame and the lies that he throws at you. Ephesians 5, 6 looks at the spiritual warfare, the armour that we have in Christ, and, and a big part of that is knowing who we are in Christ, knowing our Christ reality and the truth that sets us free. But that's, I hope that helps, that little word picture. And I remember coming, coming back from YWAM for, on the street, and I remember I was, I was so afraid of these dogs that were barking at me, I didn't want to provoke them anymore. But I whispered really softly. I didn't want to speak too loudly because I didn't want them to get any more angry, if that was possible. And I just said, in Jesus' name, be quiet. And instantaneously, across the whole street, all the bugs stopped, barking, mouths shut. And... I could see their eyes, they were like ticked off, um, they weren't happy, but, and if you're in towns where it's like, it never happens, it's the most amazing thing, and I, it's, it's one of those ones you can't explain unless you were there, and I was the only one there, um, but it was incredible because I could see the fear start to melt away from my life as I realised the authority we had in Christ to counter the lies the enemy has been throwing at us, has wanting us to be a defeated people. He was wanting us to live in defeat. But in Christ, we have his authority to, to take back, to take hold and to live a life victorious. Amen? Is, is, that, is that good? That is great news. We are not called to be weak and defeated. We're called to be more than conquerors in Christ. It is such an amazing thing. Now, Matthew 4 uh, talks about Jesus being tempted by Satan and Satan used what seems like truth to manipulate and distort Jesus. He tried to. And Jesus responded with the word of God and spoke into that place. Before Jesus started his ministry, he had to encounter the lies of the enemy, the distortions. And in our life, as we, as we want to step into God's kingdom and be a part of building his kingdom, we need to step in and speak out against the lies in our lives. See, Adam and Eve, they had shame that was spoken over them. They walked in shame after they walked out of God's kingdom. And shame is something that, that is an effect of the enemy. And I'm not suggesting we all should walk around naked again as we reclaim God's kingdom. That's kind of not where I was going. Um, but I, I think there's this reality of shame that we can be overcome by shame of our past. Things have happened in our past. Partial truths that have been used and spoken over us to define us. When I was a kid, I used to get bullied, and the lies of the bully I didn't confront for myself. And so I let them bully me. I let them speak mistruths over my life, and I accepted them. 
because I didn't know who I am. And many Christians are accepting a lie over who they are because they don't know the truth that God has set them free. They don't know that they are beautifully made, that they are loved, that they are precious in God's sight. The lies of the enemy, we, we need to challenge them. I am worthy in Christ. If I was the only one alive, Christ would have still died for me. And that's a reality for us as Christians to take hold of. Romans 5, 8, whilst I was still a sinner, while I was at my worst, Christ died for me. So we need to be planted in God's word. And this highlights the lies and the shame that uh, comes up over our lives. We're grounded in his truth. 1 John 5, 1 to 5, everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commands, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? When we believe and take hold of that truth that Jesus is the Son of God, we start to take hold of that renewed kingdom he is is birthing. See, the cross of Jesus isn't just an interesting place, that sort of landmark time that sets our date calendar system up. It's not just an interesting place. The cross of Jesus is a place that your existence is defined Jesus was, cured, was cursed so you could be blessed. He was forsaken so you could be accepted. He experienced wrath so you could release, be released from sin and shame. He became sin so you could become righteous. He was wounded so you could be healed. And we can walk in a boldness of him, a boldness and a confidence because of who he is, not because of who we are. The third reality we're going to quickly look at is the kingdom of God restored is a very different kingdom it's not like a slightly little upgrade it's not like when you upgrade your phone to the next version it's like oh that's kind of a little bit better it runs a little bit faster a little bit less some of us think that god's kingdom that we walk in god's kingdom it's kind of like it's got nice perks to it it's kind of like a job that offers a little bit more it's not it's a, a revolutionary different way of thinking it's it's a totally even though we're in the world we're of the world it changes where we're at, it changes everything for us. My next door neighbour uh, has bees, and he keeps bees, and he takes his bees for a drive, and he puts his bees in a box, and he has to take them for a drive a certain distance, and then he sets up the hive, and then they go collect all the all the honey and the pollen, and they make honey, and he's like, "This is awesome!" And he drops them. It's, it's really nice honey. He drops them off the other day. It's really good. Now, he has to take his bees a certain distance, otherwise they get confused. So if he takes his bees and just takes them for, you know, um, a K away, his bees, they're kind of like, this looks familiar. I don't know where home is. Like, where, is this a new home? Is this not? They get really confused. They get lost. And um, sometimes they die because they can't find home again. So this is a reality, I think, for Christians is that sometimes we think God's kingdom is just, just a little bit different and we get confused. We, we like, I want to take hold of the values of the world um, and God's values and like maybe just update them a little bit. And we get confused. We're like, oh, what is this? 
But God's kingdom is like, hey, oh, we're going to take you guys for a drive in your heart and mind, and we're going to plant you over here, and you're going to start operating from a new base, a new reality, and you're going to experience my goodness, my faithfulness, and my truth. And so in, in our lives, we need to be willing to take the journey with God to, to be a part of his new reality. His new kingdom is so different. It's, if you read um, the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 6, there's a, there's a beautiful op- opposite values to the world. That is the place God is calling us to operate within. His kingdom looks so different. So as Christians, we, need, we have a choice. We can try and take hold of a little bit of the world. Or we can, in our thinking, take a seismic jump and say, God, I'm all in, in your new kingdom. I want to be a part of what you're doing. Would you do a work in me and transform my reality, transform my thinking, transform my heart? It's a big seismic shift. Bring back the overlap. This is the last reality I wanted to talk about, is that we are commissioned to bring heaven to earth. Now, I'm not suggesting that the, ult- the ultimate heaven, I don't know exactly what the ultimate heaven um, is going to look like. And when Jesus comes back in all his glory, I don't know what heaven is going to look like. Anyone who tells you what heaven's going to look like, um, I would, wouldn't listen to them because the, God, the Bible makes it very clear that there's a whole heap of pictures of what it's about but we don't know what it looks like. See, human language is so limited when you're trying to explain the things of God and the glory of him. And so they, there's a lot of images, a lot of mental pictures that are used throughout the Bible to describe heaven. But one thing we do know is, is that God's wanting to dwell amongst us now through his people. So in a sense, going back to our definition of heaven being where God dwells and where he reigns, If you have surrendered your life to him and he is your king, you are a temple, a living temple we're called to be, where God dwells. You are little heavens, little heavens running around the world. And 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 so I'm like, don't don't throw things at me because I'm not saying that's the final form. I'm just saying that in, in a way, we bring his presence to the world. We bring his peace, his love to the world. And as he reigns and dwells in our lives, we are bringing his presence to humanity in such a powerful way. So where is heaven Hopefully it's, it's in me. Heaven's in my heart. Heaven, heaven is where God dwells and reigns. And hopefully that is something you are experiencing today. So it's the overlap. Heaven back on earth through humanity, through you and through me. And so you are incredibly important as a part of God's kingdom to proclaim and birth his kingdom on earth. You're not, you're not a side product. You're not like an optional extra. You are key and called to be a part of bringing heaven to earth, bringing back God's realm to man. And uh, heaven, heaven future, the future heaven is not going to be defined. We, we do know it's not going to be defined by sickness, by death, by shame, by guilt. Heaven future in all its fullness is going to be defined by Christ. He is going to be the light source. We see that in Revelation. He is the light that sustains it. He is going to be the source. But he also can be the source for you today. If you're not in Christ, 
I would love to encourage you to continue and to explore Jesus as your king. While you're not walking with him as your king, you are subjected to being bullied by the powers of this world. And that's not a good place to be. But in Christ, we can have that confidence that we're walking with his authority to take back what was lost. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close in prayer and invite the team up. Uh, we've, yeah, look, if you just join with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that you, have, that you have conquered, that you have crushed Satan, that you are the second Adam, that you, have rest, you are restoring your kingdom and are calling us to be a part of that restorative work. Thank you that we can walk in this world with our heads held high knowing that you have overcome. Lord, that we don't need to be controlled by the lies of the enemy. We don't need to be controlled by the shame of our past failings of the sin in our lives. That doesn't define us anymore in Christ because you have given us a new reality. So Lord, I'd pray that you'd, take, that you'd help us to understand these new realities, that this kingdom is a very different place. It's a very different kingdom. It takes a different way of thinking. It's a totally different way of operating. Lord, that you'd help us to realise that in you, we are a new creation. So Lord, I pray that you would encourage us today, encourage us to walk with our heads held high, that you would even highlight some of those lies that we've been holding in our lives. Some of the mistruths would be handing them over to you and saying, I, I will not hold this anymore. Like water falling off a duck's back. I just pray that your people would be discerning to take hold and lay hold of your truth over them. Thank you for who you are and all that you're doing. You're such an amazing God. In Jesus' precious name, amen. stand with us we're going to sing that new song again see a victory